Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Here we go. As I did last week, I'm going to make some confessions over you. Are you ready? Will you receive it as your spiritual father to speak some things into your life and over your life and over the ones that you love? Here we go. I'm going to repeat a couple of them from last week, just a couple, because you need to get them in your spirit. Number one that I said last week, I'm going to say it again. You need to take ownership of this moment. You need to take ownership of this moment. Here's how, here's how you can receive something that's confessed over your life. You repeat it back. So if you want to receive everything that God has for you, then I want you to say this with me. Repeat after me. I willingly, wholeheartedly take ownership of this moment. Let me tell you something. Here's another thing I want to speak over you. You have the opportunity, if you choose to be a part of it, to participate in the greatest revival, at the very least, that we have ever known in this generation. But it's up to you. Men and women, are you a man or are you a woman? Say amen. You're not both. You're one of the two. If you are a man or you are a woman, shout amen. Men and women, you have been given influence in your region, in your job, in your community, in your family, and in this moment. God has given us an opportunity to speak into the lives of some of the most pivotal and needed roles to be achieved that we ever have in our life. And that is the role of a father and the role of a man of God in the role of a priest of the home. Ladies, you ought to be excited about men of God getting excited about God. Hold, hold up, Anthony. Hold up. You ought to be excited about men getting excited about God. So ladies, you're needed. Your influence is needed. Your help is needed. You will, you, in the next few days, you're going to be ladies. I'm talking to ladies. You're going to be called on to help us with this men's conference. We need women helping with registration. We need women helping with other things. Doing everything. Men will be doing some of that too. But we need you to be investing in iron men as well. Some of our ladies in our praise team will be up here. Pastor Jamie tells us bringing both his daughters, Kaylee and Erica, going to be on this stage singing as well. On Friday night with our praise team. So, ladies and men, take ownership. When the women have their conference, men, you will have roles to play. Because we sow and we invest. in the. Some of y'all aggravated about how your, your wife or your husband acts. Well, guess what? Sow into them. What you want them to be, then be that to them. What you sow. Are y'all dead or are you alive? Men, to the men of Solid Rock Church, listen to me. I don't hear y'all talking about this conference too much. I hear y'all talking about Alabama and Auburn football. I hear y'all talking about what you heard on Jock's radio. But I don't hear you talking about the fact that God has opened up this house. Shift and change 
a nation. Not beating you up, I'm encouraging you to understand the moment in which you exist. To understand what God has enabled you to do. This is not a Pastor Larry Ragland thing. This is not even an Ambassadors Network thing. This is not a men's ministry that's being led by so-and-so thing. This is this house that God has made a house of influence. People are coming from all over. People are coming from different directions, different walks in their life with an expectation to come and receive. We, men in this house, you will receive, but we are coming with an expectation to serve. Nobody's leaving early. Nobody's checking out. You're staying for the duration because you realize every moment that you're here, every minute that you serve is a seed sown into a husband and a father and a grandfather and a leader in their community and a priest and a king and a prophet. I've said it before and I will say it again. The only thing that can stop you from receiving everything God has for you in this moment is a spirit of offense. You better know it, you better understand it, and you better understand how to identify it. Because when you are offended, it's usually at a person, and when you are offended at a person, you restrict that person from ever speaking into your life again. Because everything they say as they speak into your life is filtered through offense and you will not receive it. There are voices that are trying to speak positive in your life. There are men and women of God who are trying to help mold you, be the hands and feet of God, the mouth of God into your life. Guard against signs of privilege, entitlement, and pride. It's getting quiet in here. People that's been coming to this church and serving in this church for years, dreaming of doing a certain thing in this church, I hope that God does it for you. But guard against the fence if God puts someone else in that position ahead of you. The Bible says that you rejoice in the victory of your brothers and you weep in the depression and the sadness of your brothers as well. When they cry, you cry. When they rejoice, you rejoice. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. Are you still alive? We're meeting in the living room here. This is just daddy sitting by the fireplace talking to you. Speaking over your life. Guard against privilege. Guard against entitlement. And guard against pride. Because those are the seeds for offense. Now the last thing I want to speak over to you before I preach for just a few minutes is this. You've heard me say that God has taken me full circle. This is what God wants me to tell you today. He is not just taking me full circle. He is taking you full circle as well. Why? This is to remind you of where you came from. Some of us have already really forgotten just how God, good God has been to us. This is also to remind you, if I could just be real, that some of you should have been dead by now. But you ain't dead. Some of you should have been in prison, but you ain't in prison. Some of your marriages should have ended in divorce, but here you are, still together. Oh, come on. 
Some of you are supposed to be diagnosed with an incurable disease and your, your timeline of death was a long time ago. You're still praising God. And some of y'all need to go back to full circle so that you could just remember where you were and where you are now. Listen, I may not be where I'm supposed to be. I may not be where I'm going, but I can tell you one thing for sure. I am not where I used to be. Amen. You might not a bit got to the place that you want to be at, but somebody ought to shout and praise the Lord that you ain't where you used to be. Now, this last confession is over the corporate body of Christ. Over this house and the remnant church. I want to say this to encourage you for this moment. Those that are watching online, those that are watching the replay, the pastors that watch us. I want to say this to you. There is no way. Somebody shout, no way. There, shout it again, no way. Shout it one more time. There is no way that the last church will be less than the first. There is no way, there is no way that God is coming back after what he called a remnant end time church that's going to be weaker than the first. God doesn't go backwards. God doesn't rescind. God is moving forward. Now it may be small, it may be tiny, it may be good, it probably is going to get a whole lot smaller than what it is here. But I'm going to tell you when he splits the sky and the trumpet is blown and you all of a sudden, my God, I'll say this, I'll be a part of it, I don't know about you. But when we, I'm going to say me, and we start ascending up to heaven, my God, and we, we meet the Lord in the air, we might look around and be surprised how small the rapture of the church is. But the reality is this, it'll be a church that still believes in miracles. It'll be a church that still believes in casting out devils. It'll be a church that at the very minimum believed in doing the things that Jesus did. Because he said, if I do these things, greater shall you do if I go to my Father. Shout this with me. The last shall be greater than the first. What are you doing with all that jewelry on up there, Pastor? Well, I think I need to explain it to you. This ring I don't wear all the time. It's precious to me and it's, it's valuable. And it's given to me by my pastor, my spiritual father, Pastor Frankie. On the night they consecrated me the office of bishop in the network. So I slide this on when I'm, most of the time when I'm operating in that apostolic anointing. When I'm laying sod, it's in my pocket. By the way, for those men that are here that helped me lay side yesterday, thank you so much. You, you, saved, you, you enabled me to walk while I'm preaching today, praise God. I wore it last week, but, but the way the service went, I didn't get a chance to talk about it. And this morning, God told me to do it again, to put it on again. And that is this. You can't see it, but on this ring, it says 50-50. This ring was made for me by my son. Stand up, CJ, in that beautiful flowery shirt. He is confident in his manhood. I appreciate that. Now, did you, how did you make How did you get this made? You had a jewel. You told him what you want, and he just sort of molded it and everything. It's got 50-50. Now, it's on this finger because when he gave it to me, I weighed about 40 more pounds than I weigh right now. 
And it fit real good then, but now i got to put it on the fattest finger i got, so I give the Lord the praise for that, praise God. But it says 50-50 on it, and it was representing, y'all know what 50-50 is, right? Y'all do know that's this address. This is, when, we, when we first knew we was going to get in this building, it was called the 50-50 vision. We started preaching about the 50-50 vision back in, the, back in the, uh, the Rock School in the last building we were in. 50-50 vision, not 20-20 vision, because we don't see through the perfect natural vision that the world says your natural eyes are good at 2020. That's, that's the natural. We don't want to be someone who just sees what's going on in the natural. We want to see what's going on in the spirit. And a kingdom man does not have 2020 vision. A kingdom man has 50-50 vision. Because 50 is the number of jubilee. 50 is the number of debt cancellation. 50 is the number of reset, redo. So we got excited when we found out that the address of the building we was going to was double jubilee. And everybody was shouting 50-50 vision. But how many of those, just like everything else, men, I'm going to be real with you. Women, I'm going to be real with you. Just like when you came back on fire from that men's conference and that women's conference, it, you, was, you was telling everybody about Jesus, reading your Bible, being faithful, and just a matter of days for some and a matter of weeks for others, you found yourself right back in the old pattern. Because if you don't keep yourself connected and if you don't keep yourself accountable, the old man will creep back in. So I think we need to be reminded of why God put us in this building. I think we not just need to go full circle on everything else, but every place you've been, in every season you've been, sometimes God will take you back to the beginning of that season to remind you why he let you go through that season. I think now we realize more than we've ever realized that it was easy for all of us to think that why would God put us in a building this big and this magnificent if he didn't plan to fill it? I said it. I confessed it. But sometimes it takes walking through the wilderness to figure out why God lets you be in the wilderness. I now know in my heart, you can think whatever you want to think, and I'll rejoice if it's full. But I'm completely content if it never is. Because I realize that he didn't put us in this building just to fill it with, with warm bodies. He put it in this building because he knew that this building would be a place of influence. It would be a place of impartation. It would be a place that would have enough room for other ministries. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. For other pastors and other ministries and other churches that are hungry, that are in the wilderness, ain't got nobody speaking their lives. They've got a place that they can come. And your life and your ministry and your call can pour into them. You'll see it at Elevate Conference this year like you've never seen. You better know it. Iron Men conferences is a, it is the preview of Elevate. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9 says this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. How many knows the same God that spoke to nothing and called nothing something is the same God we serve today? If he can speak to the darkness of, of space where there was no planets and there was no stars. And he said, let there be light. And light obeyed. 
If he can do that, why can't we believe that he can do a miracle for you? How are we going to X out miracles in the doctrine of the, of, the, of the child of God in the church and believe that God, as years go along, limits himself more and more? How are you going to think, how are you going to teach, preacher, that the first church that got to walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, sit on the shore and watch him in a boat, live and in color, needed the power of the Holy Ghost, and we don't? Can I be so brass as to say, because I know this is wrong in, for, in the natural, but I'm going to say it anyway because somebody needs to shake you up. That is stupid. You won't try to tell me that the people that saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, the people that saw him heal blind Bartimaeus' eyes, they needed the gifts of the Spirit to stay on fire for God? And we ain't never seen him spit in somebody's eyes personally uh, in mud and rub it on their eyes. We ain't never seen him stand at the tomb of, of, a, of a graveyard in empty tombs. We ain't never seen him in the natural. And we don't need the power of God. That's stupid theology. Oh, and furthermore, the reason I call it stupid theology is because you cannot emphatically show me one scripture that he ever took it away. This microphone still working. Let me, tell you, let me tell you why you believe that. You believe that because it hadn't happened for you. And just because it hadn't happened for you, you want to build a theology around that it don't happen for anybody. Well, your theology don't work for me, baby, because it happened to me. And a man with an argument is at the mercy of a man with an experience. You can't take the Holy Ghost from me. You... I got five people. Declaring the end from the beginning. Do you understand the magnitude of that statement? That, that statement means that when he said, let there be light. New Jerusalem was under construction. Because he is the alpha where we mess up is we think he's going to be the Omega. He is the Omega. Do you understand when you read the book of Revelation, you are reading a line upon line account of future events. And that's why some folks get messed up in their theology and think that don't make sense. So they try to make it. Events that's already happened. Alexander the Great and all these kind of people that rose up and caused themselves to be this in the temple. Because the, because the flesh, that's rational to the flesh. Because we can't comprehend that there is, and I hate to use this word entity, because he's not an entity, he's God, he's separate from everything else. But there is, there is someone out there that actually has already been to everything. You didn't get it. He's already experienced everything in every timeline. That's why he could say emphatically the things that he says in Scripture. Because it's not that he's maneuvering and manipulating events 
behind the scenes like a little chess game and playing with us like toys to make sure everything he said would happen will happen so that he don't look bad. He's not manipulating events to cause himself to be accurate. He's accurate because it's already happened to him. Are y'all getting this this morning? Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things that are not yet done. In other words, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, the Old Testament prophets of the ancient times, were able to speak and write of things that would happen in our life and things that would happen in the future. Why? Because they were not fortune tellers. They were moved on the Alpha and the Omega moved on them and said, write this. How many knows as long as God was hearing, excuse me, as long as Daniel was hearing from God, he was writing what he was hearing and seeing from God. But we know exactly who was in charge when God said, stop writing. Seal up the book until the days that knowledge shall increase. In other words, Daniel could have kept writing. But if he would have kept writing, number one, he would have been disobedient. Number two, he would have been writing of his opinion and things he was trying to predict. He would have become nothing more, nothing greater than, than a Nostradamus. Oh, and by the way, uh, it's a freebie here. If you're living your life according to Nostradamus, these altars are open. Because you can make anything say anything. Nostradamus was not a prophet of God. In fact, some of y'all will look at the stars and get a horoscope and listen to Nostradamus more than you will a pastor and the Word of God. I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. I'm going to sleep good tonight. I'm going to lay my head down on that pillow. I ain't going to worry about nothing, y'all. I'm going to say, because I know when I walk off this stage, I've said what God's told me to say, and you can still be mad at me if you want to, and I'm going to sleep like a baby. And I love this last line, saying, my counsel shall stand. In other words, what I say is going to happen. And then he goes as far as to even say this, and I love that part, and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, you can't stop me. You can stop yourself from getting it. You can stop yourself from being a part of it, but you can't stop me from doing what I said I was going to do. If I said I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, you can't stop it. If I said blinded eyes are going to open, you can't stop it. If I said in my name you will cast out devils, you can't stop it. You can't stop them because you can't stop me. I'm always going to have a people. They may be small in number, but I'm going to tell you, you can't stop me from telling devils to go because I'm always going to have a people that would say, God, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. He's got a remnant. Are you remnant? Will you do what he said? If he told you to cast the devil out, would you believe that God will anoint you to cast the devil out? Here's what will take it from you. It's 1131. Here's what will take it from you. Fear of the unknown. See, we all have an alpha. Alpha means the beginning, right? We all have an A in the letter alphabet. We all have a birthday. And the Bible says, Upon another man wants to die. And after that's a judgment. So we all have an alpha. 
And we all have an omega. But there's two sure things in life. I used to say it this way. One, there is a God, and two, you're not Him. If you just get that, there is a God, you're not Him. You're not going to evolve into Him. You're not going to become a little God, you know, all this kind of stuff. You're not going to, you're not going to have the, the, the illumination of God. You can walk, you can be the hands and the feet and the voice of God, but you can't be God. Because there's only one God. And by the way, Buddha's not God. This will get me flagged. Krishna's not God. Harry Krishna, come on. Yeah, I said it. Allah is not God. Will y'all protect me? Thank you. Now watch this. We all have an alpha and we all have an omega. And the reason we need God is God's the only one that knows our omega. He said he has every hair on our head numbered. Some of y'all, it's a lot easier for the, than others. As the year goes on, that, the, the workload of my angel gets shorter and shorter. He knows everything about us. Well, why would we ever ask him to help us then if he knows everything about us? Because everything operates by faith. God wants to hear it. The power of life and death is in our tongue. But the reason we stay gripped with fear, the reason the whole world was gripped by fear, for two years plus, shutdowns, closures, mass, people freaking out. I had people yell at me at Walmart, stand back. It's not six feet. It had to be at least five and a quarter feet. But they had in their mind, they knew exactly what six feet were. Why is that? Why is that? Because something hit us in a way like we had never been hit before. We had dealt with the flu. We had dealt with other things. But we had never been told on a national and global level. In this generation. Other generations had experienced it. But what separated us is we were the first generation that had mass immediate exposure. Through social media. Through 24 hours a day news channels. To where everyone bought into one thing. The narrative that was being told us. And out of compassion. And out of being a loving God. Of having a loving God and a loving church, the church did everything they could do. And we said, we'll do our part. But it wasn't enough for us to say, we'll do our part. Because that was never the agenda. It was never the agenda to see who was compassionate and who wasn't. It was to stop us and to stop the voice of the church in this day. Because if you don't read the signs of the times, and you don't, you believe that's all hype. We got a whole group of preachers and unbelievably even Pentecostal preachers who, who anytime anybody posts anything about eschatology or end time events, wants to blast them and, and tell them that that's not love and all this kind of mess. If you don't know that the signs of the times are around us, I'm going to tell you something and help you. The devil does. The devil knows his time is running out. 
The devil knows the only thing that can stop him from global domination is the church taking their dominion. And the church having their voice. So that's why I said it before. I've said it probably ten times since. And I'll say it again. Because you better know it. If you don't already know it, everything is being ramped up again for the fall. Everything is being ramped up again. I'm starting to see it happen again. You're probably starting to see it happen again. I want to say emphatically right now, they will take me out in handcuffs before I close the doors of this church. We will not shut the doors of this church no matter what happens. Listen, we'll try to keep you safe and protected. You can stand 10 feet apart from each other and wear a hazmat suit. But for those that want to come, the doors are be open. The doors will be open and we will preach thus says the Lord God because this is the only thing my God is the Omega it was the fear of the unknown we didn't know this thing we had never seen anything on this level many of us had loved ones who were put in the hospital and some of us had loved ones who died It's a very serious and very real virus. None of what I've said has negated that. None of what I have said has negated that I encourage you to do whatever you need to do to make your family feel safe. And to make yourself feel safe. But I also encourage you as your spiritual father to not do not fall for the trap that says, this was the narrative that many were saying One of the most dangerous, listen to what was said. I'm not making these words up. Read it in multiple places. Being said by government officials. The most dangerous super spreader places you can ever go to is a religious gathering. Well, I felt real good about it because I thought, well, they're not talking about us because we're not religious. Then they said, the only way, this is what was said in California, the only way that we could ever endorse you during this time to go to a religious gathering is to make sure that you go to a church where no one sings out loud. I'm not making this up. Where they play the music, no one on the stage sings, you read the words to yourself on the screen. Make sure that every singer who is 25 feet away from you and 10 feet away from each other is wearing a mask while they're singing. These are things that was actually said. Then, the last thing that got me was I'm not making any of this up. These were not in fringe news sites. These were in regular news sites that all of you would know. That several health officials said, and in Australia especially, they said this in Australia, They banned any church pastor from preaching or singing on camera even if they were by themselves because no one could guarantee that there was not somebody standing behind the camera that you were putting in jeopardy. Well, hmm. We sing in this church. Well, we shout in this church. Well, we dance in this church. Well, we all come to the altar together in this church. Well, 
We lay hands on the sick in this church. Well, we raise up preachers and commission them and speak into the lives in this church. You know why we do it? Not because we don't take your health serious. Not because that we're not compassionate. Not because we don't understand that sometimes things can spread. There are people in this church right now that's got COVID. People watching online right now that's got COVID in this next wave. I may get COVID again. I don't know. I had it. I may get it again. If I get it again, I'll get it again. Huh? If I get it again, I'll, I'll get up on the lift. I'll get that lift out here and run, raise me all the way up there and preach from the lift. I'm not speaking I'm going to get COVID. I'm declaring that I'm not going to get COVID. I'm going to tell you something. If you do get COVID, praise the Lord while you got COVID. I'm not talking about spraying on everybody. I'm talking about if you're at home because you're being responsible and you've made that decision, don't sit there with a cup of coffee eating a, 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 a piece of bread with, with grape jelly on it in the morning, all this kind of stuff, taking your day off. Put the jelly down. Put the cup of coffee down. Stand up in your living room and tell the devil he ain't getting your praise. Tell the devil he ain't getting your praise. COVID ain't an excuse to not praise. My God, sickness is not an excuse to not praise. I don't care what situation you are in. You better learn how to pray. You know why I can praise when I'm sick? You know why I can praise when I'm in the hospital? You know why I can praise when I lose this and lose that? And club? It's because I don't know my Omega, but I know the Omega. In the words of Rod Parsley, tweet that. I love it when he does it. He'll say something and the church will go crazy. He'll say, how about tweet that? Now he's got his own hashtag. Hashtag tweet that. I don't know my Omega, but I know the Omega. So therefore I can praise my God because I know he wouldn't have brought me in this alpha if he wasn't going to take me to Omega. But here's the thing that's got people frustrated. I'm running out of time here. Is it's amazing how God works sometimes. If this is your alpha, I'm not talking about your birthday. I'm talking about how many of those in our life we go through seasons. Every season has an alpha and every season has an omega, right? So whatever season that you're in, let's say this is the alpha, and you've been fighting devils, fighting. You've been standing strong. Start out strong, start out fast. You're slowing down a little bit because you've been beat, been hit, been knocked down, but you keep getting up. You're so proud of yourself. You can see, you can see it. You can see your miracle. And you, I'm telling you right now, you start getting a little sighted. You start getting your little praise on because you can smell that miracle. You can taste that miracle. Hairs on your arms starting to stand up. Hair in the back of your head. You can say, my God, that thing I was believing God for all these years. Woo, I can see it. I can see it. And you're about to step there and God grabs you. What just happened? God took you full circle. But when you let God take you full circle, when God takes you full circle, he ain't meaning I'm taking you back 
and you've got to go through all that again. He said, I need you to remember before I ever let you step here to not ever forget where you were there. Because, oh, come on, that's a good clap line right there. Because I don't care what it is, I don't care what season you've gone through, there is absolutely no way if God, that's the key, if God brought you into a season and started you here, that somewhere around in here you didn't have to fight to survive, that you didn't have to change something, put something on the altar, give up something, accept a new call, lose something, battle sicknesses in here, losing your job is in here, financial attack is in here, repossession of your car might be in here, your marriage on the rocks and maybe didn't even survive is in here. Kids that were sweet babies, innocent little children, somewhere in here got exposed to drugs and alcohol. Pregnant in here. You make it all the way to here if you're not careful. All you'll do is just praise God that you made it. Because God, let me tell you something to help you. Why God's taking everybody full circle, he's taking me full circle. It's because by the time you get here, and some of them are quick seasons, some of them are lifelong seasons. I've been preaching and pastoring now for almost 33 years. My entire marriage has been in ministry. And there are things that I'm finally seeing happen right now that I asked God for over 30 years ago. But you know why God's taking me full circle? It's because 30 years is a lot of life. 30 years is a lot of change. And God said, before I let you step into that next season, I need to take you back and remind you of the things that you told me back here. I need to remind you of the things of the confessions that you made right here. Are y'all hearing me? So see, if he's going to take us full circle, this is the introduction to next week, he's going to take us all full circle. Not just full circle to your season, not just full circle to your childhood and your life. He's taking the whole entire world full circle. So what's full circle for us? Full circle is not Acts chapter 2. That's full circle of the church, which is a coming message. But full circle for the world is Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. That's full circle. Because before there was animals, before there was trees, before there was water, before there was even a sky and a firmament, there was God. And God spoke to nothing and nothing became something. And for five days, he spoke things into existence, created environments that would sustain other things. And then he got to the sixth day. And on the sixth day, which is the number of man, the reason it's the number of man is because man was created and all the beasts of the earth were created on the sixth day. 
So he created all of it. And every single day that he created all the stuff, he said it was good. Then he created man. He grabbed man. He took his own hands and he took the clay of the earth and formed it into man. Man stood up, looked exactly like man looks now, but he was not alive. Because God had to breathe life into him. And the Bible said God breathed into him. And when God breathed into that clay statue, man became a living soul. Here's one little nugget of full circle. How about we as humanity go full circle and realize that without the breath of God, we can't even live. He breathes into us. And when it's our time, he just simply goes and takes it back. Are you hearing me? How about this full circle? Genesis 1.26, after he made man and he pulled woman out of man and he made uh, man and woman, he said, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Somebody shout dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Watch this. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Wait a minute. Male and... Do you understand what the word female means? Feminine. Femininity. It doesn't mean a man that's feminine. It means God took man and created an entire different gender that was supposed to be feminine and a man was supposed to be masculine. Then God blessed. Wait a minute, shout it out loud. Then God blessed them. Mm -hmm. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. How many knows what you got to have for that to happen? Fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Look at your neighbor and tell him, subdue it. Have. That's why I wore this shirt and I had no idea my son-in-law that lives with me was wearing his. Until during worship I looked over and I said, huh, great minds think alike. But then I also thought, it's because God dropped the word dominion in my house. And without us even knowing it, he put his dominion shirt on. Because when you walked out of my house this morning, you walked out of a house that believes in the dominion of God. Got a dominion house. See, male and female, he created and blessed them. By the way, that's the only time God ever used the pronoun them to address gender. Them to God doesn't mean one person that has multiple personalities or demons. Them to God meant them more than one. It wasn't long ago that we realized that they and them meant more than one actual person. The only other time that I remember God addressing them is when he looked at one man. He didn't call that one man them. He just said, how many demons do you have in you? 
the demon spoke up, not the man, but the demon spoke up and said, thousands, we are legion, we are thousands. He addressed them, not him. Y'all got it? He addressed them, not him. Because if he was addressing him, he would address him. But he addressed the demons that was in him and called them, them, and told them to go. I'm going fast. I've got eight minutes. He blessed them. What's the plan of God? Remember, we're taking a full circle. How are we going to believe that God does not desire for us to at least walk in what he put on man, the first man? So I'm going to tell you something. If you want to know God's will for the remnant church, look at what he did for Adam. That's why this part is called the Adam mantle. Because God, the favor that God put on Adam is going to be on the remnant. Very quickly, he blessed them. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. Somebody shout, I'm favored. Somebody shout, I got favor. I got favor with God, and I got favor with man. And then he said to them, how many of those, God spoke to them. He talked to them. God was speaking to his creation, and I believe if you'll allow him and you'll open up your mind, you'll see that he is still speaking to his creation. Somebody Look at somebody and say, my God talks to me. Well, what are you hearing voices in your head? Let me pray for you. Are you going crazy? No. First of all, he speaks through me right here. If you ain't never got a prophetic word from a prophet anywhere, you got thousands of them right here. Open up the Bible and watch him speak to you. He'll speak to you. Me and me and you can read the same verse sitting right side, side by side, word for word, same translation, and God speaks something through the word different to both of us. But he'll also speak to the, to the spirit man too. Somebody shout, he still speaks to me. Then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful. How many knows? Ain't a whole lot of fruit. There's some fruitiness. There's some fruit loops in the modern church. But I don't see a whole lot of fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. One of the biggest lies that's ever been sold to, in the religious community is this word. Well, bless God, I know one thing. Now, I can't judge you. Because the Bible tells me if I judge you, I'm just as bad as you. That is so ridiculous. I cannot stand it when I hear somebody say that. Because number one, what it says to them, and I, and I don't always do it, but sometimes I hear lately I have done it because I don't have much of a filter lately. But, and I try to do it in love and kindness. But, but in my mind, in my spirit, I'm wanting to say, you just, you've you, you seen this meme where it says something like, um, tell me what you do without telling me what you do. And people, and people will make funny little things, and you have to figure out what they're saying. So I want to say to them, tell me that you don't know the Bible without telling me you don't know the Bible. When you lead with, judge not lest you be judged. When you lead with that, you're telling me you don't know anything about the Bible. For those of you that are sitting there right now just got offended by that, you probably don't know much about the Bible either. Because here's the reality. You take one scripture 
That's in the context of him trying to tell you about humility. You're so worried about the toothpick in somebody else's eye and you got a, a log sticking in your own eye. It says, with what measure you judge others shall be, that shall be put upon you. I know what the scriptures say. But you don't want to talk nothing about, you'll know the tree by the fruit it bears. If the only fruit you bear is bowing up on me with judge not lest you be judged, then you are exposing the fact that you have bought into the lie that that one little scripture and one little phrase helps you get out of any kind of conviction that you might be feeling around men and women of God. Now, I'm not telling you you got a right to go in and, and just preach to people and tell them that they're, that they're going to burn in hell and all this kind of stuff. But if somebody asks you, do you think this is a sin? And the Bible says it is a sin? You got to say, well, since you ask, that's a sin. Oh, and here's the other one. Tell me you don't know anything about the Bible without telling me you don't know anything about the Bible. Because if they, if they don't lead with that one, they lead with this one. Well, I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree that it's a sin. What about all those overweight preachers? Bless God, they're getting up there and preaching against all this sin. They're so fat. What about the sin of gluttony? What a cop out. What a cop. Listen, I'm, I agree with it that we need to be in shape. But listen, don't, don't come at me trying to equate an attack against the creation of God with fried chicken. Are y'all hearing me? It ain't the same. Tweet that. <laughs> I got two. I got two more things to say in two minutes. He said, "Be fruitful and multiply." Look at your name and tell him, multiply. That means replicate. Go make disciples. Don't be satisfied with just your name in, in the book of heaven. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's not enough just to be saved. I did a video. I was just driving down the road here lately. It just comes on me. And I, just, I fire off a video. I did it live. I said, where are you on the spectrum is what it was called. That was the little hook to make you mad at me. Because spectrum is a big word now. And as I said in the video, I said spectrum is a very compassionate word because now it is a word that is used to talk about you know, our children who are dealing with autism and different things. Where are they on, this, on the spectrum? I was very clear to say I'm not disrespecting that. I believe that that is something that we need to study and know because it's a very real thing. I said, but understand that now, just like everything else, all of our words are being hijacked. They're all being hijacked for an agenda against God. Where you have a word that describes a very real diagnosis with our children that's supposed to help us know how to minister and reach our children where they are on the spectrum. Now we have a spectrum of gender. Now we have a spectrum of sexuality. Where are you on? They hijacked that word. I said, well, let me take that word back and ask you. Where are you on the spectrum of the remnant? Where are you on the spectrum of a child of God? Are you down here on the, are you satisfied with just knowing your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And this is what I said. Or are you a passive Christian? 
that's just one of them that all, all you want to pop off at me is I don't need to go to church. I am the church and all that. I said, that's a cop out. That's, a, that's, that's what you're really screaming. How about this one? If I'm going to go there, I might as well go there. Tell me that you don't want to be accountable to anybody without telling me you don't want to be accountable to anybody. I don't need the church. I am the church. You're screaming. You don't want nobody speaking into your life. You got this thing. You know what happened? I had a lady message me. She said, I've loved everything you said until you called me passive. Goodbye. And I have unsubscribed. That was her words. I fell apart. I couldn't even function. If you're watching, and I wouldn't be surprised if you are still watching, because a lot of times they want to try to say that, but they still come back to see what you say about them. I do love you, and I hope you come back, but the reality is this. You took it the wrong way. I was trying to help you. Then he says, fill the earth. Somebody say, I'm going to fill the earth. I don't mean you got to have 25, 30 kids, but you can't have hundreds of spiritual children. If you want to have 25 or actual 30 kids, go ahead. That's up to you. How many knows it was God's will then to fill the earth? It's God's will now to fill the earth. Same God. Same God that spoke everything, everything he spoke over Adam, he spoke over us. He wants to bless us. He wants us to, to walk in favor. And he wants us to fill the earth. He wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Then he says something powerful. He says, subdue it. Subdue it. That means to take it. That means, he said, watch this, this is the omega of God. Why would they need to take something that was already given to them? Because the omega knew what was going to happen with Adam and Eve before Adam and Eve ever knew what was going to happen with Adam and Eve. How many of the Bible said he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world? We can't wrap our minds around that, but that's the omega. And if you'll if you quit trying to rationalize that and rejoice in that, you'll realize that's a great thing. Because what that means is when he said, let there be light, the word said, I'll go and I'll become flesh and I'll die. While he's saying it is good, when he made man, he said it's very good. But he's, the very one that he said it's very good, the very one that he said, I've made him in my own image, in my own likeness, and I've given him dominion, I've given him all these kind of things. He don't get it now, but I've given him power to take it back. That's what subdue means. And then he closes it by saying, they will have. Let me, let me, let me help y'all, and this is going to be hard to take for some of y'all. Because you ain't know how to process it because of the Abuse that's happened in some churches and by preachers who have made themselves out to be gods. Dominion doesn't mean anything passive. It means dominate. It doesn't mean join forces. It doesn't mean Find a way to get along. It doesn't mean tolerate. It doesn't mean inclusivity. 
I can't say it. It don't mean I got to agree with everything and act like the world to reach the world. We didn't come to the kingdom for such a time as this to join forces with the enemy to compromise. We come to take over. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I came to this moment to take over. To dominate. And see, you don't know how to process that because you're like, oh, okay, I see where you're going now. You're trying to tell these men to go home and dominate their women and dominate. See, see, you've allowed yourself and myself included, we've all bought in to the enemy's very good ability to redefine words. Do you understand the most powerful force on this earth? And the reason I always say the most powerful force on this earth is the Holy Spirit. And the second most powerful force on this earth is a man or a woman who know who they are in God. The reason I say that is because the only way you know who you are in God is what you say about yourself. If you say you are a failure, you don't believe that you are a man of God or a woman of God. You have to say that over yourself. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Freely I have received, freely I will give. These hands shall lay upon the sick and they shall recover. This mouth shall speak the things of God. These feet are beautiful because they're ordered of God. This body, this spirit man has the armor of God upon it. But the devil understands the power of words. That's all this is. That's all this is. People are consumed. The world is consumed with making sure your words are right with them. You have to say what they're saying and agree with their definition. Do you understand the most powerful? Let me back up. The most well-known piece of literature in the history of humanity, of modern humanity, to, de- to find out the definition of words is the dictionary. When you think of dictionaries, there's a bunch of different names now, but the most prominent one you would say would be what? Webster's Dictionary. Well, years ago, Webster's merged with Miriam. And now if you go buy a dictionary off of a shelf now, if you can find one, it's called Merriam-Webster. But it's the Webster's Dictionary that's been around since basically the founding of this nation and even before then. You can go to merriamwebster.com now and you can read every single word that's in the dictionary. Well, every year on the news... As you get close to the end of the year and people start talking about New Year's resolutions and stuff, you'll see on your news the new words that Webster has now included in the dictionary because new words have been invented and and things like that. And it's very necessary for you to understand what people are saying because there's new words that are being created all the time. But this year, 
a matter of weeks ago, they did something unlike anything they've ever done in their history. They decided to buy in to the narrative and the redefining of words. Because if you redefine the word, enough people will begin to believe that's what is the truth. So this week, if you go to MiriamWebster.com, which is everything that will be in the printed Webster's Dictionary, the next printing, they completely changed the definition of male and female and the word gender. With every definition, there's a number one. You ever seen it? And they give you all the things of number one. And then they give you number two. And then they give you ways that that word can be used. You with me? Well, number one for male and female used to be before a couple of weeks ago. Some variation of a sentence like this. The biological sex of a male boy. Born with the genitalia of a boy. Something like that. It was defined by sex. Now, number two, and the very last word after a bunch of garble that you can't even understand, at the very end of number two is the word sex. Not only has it made it to number two, now it's made it at the end after a bunch of other stuff and the last word. Number one is, I don't even know how to repeat it. I don't even know how to say it. You can go look at it for yourself. But it basically says, the humans that sometimes have the ability to create an egg. Then it says, those that identify themselves as a female. Are you looking it up? Okay. Give it to me when you get it. Which one is that one? I mean, which, which one is it? Which one you look up? Male. Male. All right, male. You want to know what makes you a male? Here it is, according to Webster. Relating to or being the sex that typically has the capacity to produce relatively small, usually motile gametes, which fertilize the eggs of a female. Okay. Do you understand they just said you are born with a system that produces sperm? But you can't say that anymore. You got to say, typically has the capacity to produce relatively small, unusually motile gametes, which fertilize the eggs of a female, having a gender identity that is the opposite of female. Typically, number one, and then if you don't even fit the typically, all you got to do is have a gender identity that's opposite of a female, now you become a male. And the same thing happens to the women, and there's a big convoluted thing there. It talks about eggs, and then it says, or you have a gender identity that's opposite of male. And when you really read the gender one, the definition of gender will really blow your mind. My point is this. It's all to get you in this moment to buy into and as a child of God just get so frustrated that you just finally throw up your hands and say, my God, there ain't nothing we can do about it. Well, there is. You can look at your son and tell him he's a boy. You can look at your daughter and tell her she's a girl. 
and you can raise him to be a child of God, a son of God. You can raise her to be a child of God, a daughter of God. And you can say to your daughter, I've been praying for the man that's going to come in your life. It's going to be the priest of your home. You can say to your son, there is a virtuous woman out there, a mighty woman of God that's coming for you. And you... Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Ooh, it's 12-12. Some of y'all be like, that's almost like 11-11. 12-12 means apostle, apostle. It means the former, the priest of old. Oh, I got it, I got it. At 12, colon 12, it happened right now, just so you can remember, there was 12 tribes of Israel, and there was 12 disciples. And the colon sitting right in the middle represent the two thrones. One is the Father, and one is the Son, bridging the gap between the 12. That's how some of y'all, some of y'all will remember that. Instead of anything else I say, raise your hands all over this house right now and say, Jesus, I refuse to be silent because the one thing the enemy is trying to stop is my voice. I will, I, I hear five people, I will be a voice, not an echo of the narrative of this world. I will speak with love, compassion, and grace, but I will speak with truth. I will. Walk in that dominion. Operate in that dominion. For I am a child of God. I will walk and talk as a child of God. I declare I have come to the kingdom for this moment to make a difference. To stand when no one else stands. I have influence. I will change this world. I am a world changer in Jesus name give the Lord a shout of praise right now all over this house Woo! it's taking us full circle and I know some of y'all mad some of y'all getting mad at God because you was right here you was right here and God grabbed you now what you need to understand about that moment and I'm closing is this, remain standing, is that when he grabs you right here, he doesn't take you all the way back there and causes you in the natural to walk through that again. Now, some of y'all get taken back because of the decisions that you make right here. That ain't what I'm talking about. The voices you allow yourself to listen to, the things that you do might knock you back. And I'm talking about when God grabs you and you ain't going to know how to handle this. And it almost keeps you from getting everything you've asked for and takes you back full circle. It is spiritually taking you back to remind you before you take that next step, remember what it took to get here. Because I'm going to tell you something about God. If this is the end of that season, And he lets you walk over. The moment you walk over, 
you're walking into a new one. And you don't want to take into a new season unresolved issues of a former. So if you believe in God for a new season and you got some stuff that you know still back in there that you ain't never dealt with and you swept up under the rug and you want to get it right with God today so that you can walk into that new level and that new season clean, forgiven. If that's you, I want to ask you to come to this altar right now. Everybody else remain standing. Come on. That's what we're here for. If that's you, that's unresolved issues right here. Unresolved sins right here. Unresolved. Unresolved. Come on. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Come and stand in front of me right here. Come on. Everybody that's coming, let's just take a step back so I can see who's coming. Line this, this stage. See. See, this is what I'm talking about. You, you don't come up here proud of every one of you. You don't come up here unless you know that God's got you ready to go somewhere. Because you ain't, you ain't just up here to come to an altar. It's not an altar call. The altar call is just not an altar call. This was an altar call saying, deal with it and give it to God so that you can go where you know God's pulling you. If you were up here, spread out, spread out. I need to know who's up here and who's, who's helping. Come up here. Come, step up, step up. If you got to go over there on the side, if you feel more comfortable getting over the side, I need to know who's up here and who's up here to help. Church, will you stretch your hands towards these right now? All over this house, will you say these words with me? And those that are up here, listen. It's words. You hear what I just said about words, right? They're powerful. Because they come out of you. Now, you're going to repeat words that I say, but they're not my words. They become your words when they come out of your mouth. They come out with dominion. And they come out with authority. They come out with determination. But they're not just words. They're confession. And their declarations over your past, but more than anything over your present and your future. And you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt when you walk away from this altar and you go back to those seats or you go back to your cars or you go back to your homes today, that what you brought to these altars, you left at these altars, was burned off of you at these altars, was, cr was crushed at these altars. You don't pick it back up. You leave today free. Can I get an amen? Raise your hands that are up here. Raise your hands. Church, stretch your hands towards them right now. All over this house. All over this house. Say, Father God, come on, I need to hear you, Father God. With everything that's within me, I confess every sin, everything, every issue, every offense, every pain along the journey that has tried to stop me that has tried to hinder me, that has told me I will not succeed. I will not be what God has called me to be. Today, it ends. Today, it is over. Today, I step in to the finish of this season and I get ready for the next one. I don't bring no baggage. I don't bring any baggage from this past season into the new walk, into the new season. Jesus, I believe I am forgiven. I am restored. I am renewed. I am ready. Here I am, Lord. Speak through me. Use my hands. 
Use my feet. Use every day that I have left for the kingdom. I am a child of God. And I am free in Jesus' name. Somebody shout. Somebody get up here right now and tell them. Give them a high five. Get up here and pat them on the back. Shake, them, shake their hand and tell them. Come on. Don't leave nobody. Where's the women at? Where's the women at? Get up here, women. Get up here, women of God. Show these women of God that you're proud of them. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout, I'm free. Everybody that was up here in this altar, shout, I'm free.